Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Negro. I'm a partner in the Private Equity M&A Group at Stegman Elliott. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome our special guest, Daniel Lee, Managing Director, Technology and Innovation in the Global Investment Banking Group of CIBC's Capital Markets. Dan, thank you for joining us and welcome. Thanks for having me, Mario. Dan, I'd like to start by talking a little bit about yourself, a little bit about what you do at CIBC and about your group. Uh, so I'd love to start by learning a little bit more about you and uh, and your work at CIBC. Sure, sounds good. So I've been a technology investment banker for about the last uh, 14 years or so, the last four of which uh, have been with CIBC. And um, my role at CIBC is largely focused uh, around advising privately held technology companies. So typically these are post um, series A or could be completely bootstrapped, but they tend to be uh, businesses with uh, revenues in and around 10 to $30 million. And you know, my role is really advising these companies as they hit inflection points in their evolutions where they could consider a straight out uh, strategic sale, um, some sort of a recapitalization, whether minority or majority. Um, or a very significant growth equity capital raise. Dan, I, you know, as a as a technology deal guy, I have to start with the question. I'm sure you probably get asked a thousand times, which is, you know, with all that's going on in the world, the technology M and A market continues to be very strong. Activity across the board. What's driving it, even with all those kind of global pressures, macro pressures? What is driving activity uh, or what continues to drive the strong tech M&A activity? Yeah, I'd say there's, there's really two things. So there's an underlying um, secular trend towards digital transformation. You know, almost every company is becoming a software company in, in one shape or another. Um, and, you know, large enterprises are making investments in migrating off traditional legacy on-premise systems onto cloud or uh, SaaS-based systems. Uh, and then you've got SMBs, you know, migrating from pen and paper and Excel to uh, actual uh, software-type applications in order to grow their businesses and, uh, and, and enhance productivity. Um, so that's sort of one factor that's driving it. There's a lot of spend, generally, just moving towards the category as a whole. Um, and that creates a lot of interesting opportunities for companies to grow big fast. Uh, and so investors have obviously wisened up to this. And so the second uh, piece of all of this is uh, just the sheer amount of capital that's out there looking to acquire uh, technology and, and more particularly software companies. Um, if you look at private equity, you know, and we're talking just North American private equity focused on technology companies, they're sitting on something close to $600 billion of dry powder right now. So that's uh, the amount of money that they've got sitting on the sidelines ready to be deployed, which, by the way, I should add, has a timer on it. So they've got to spend that money within some number of years. Um, and then you look at the balance sheets of the S&P IT index. There's about 80 companies there, and they're sitting on close to $500 billion as well, just on their balance sheets alone. So that's in excess of a trillion dollars of capital out there looking to acquire technology companies. That's before you even consider um, leverage that could be thrown onto these transactions in the way of debt financing. 
And so I think if you want to put it in perspective, that's one trillion is it's roughly five percent of U.S. GDP. Then, you know, and to your point, you know, we're seeing more and more cash flow into tech M&A. One of the things I noticed from a Canadian tech M&A marketplace, particularly in terms of growth equity, is the size of the checks seem to be getting bigger. The deals seem to be getting larger. I wonder if, it, you know, if that's something you're seeing. Is it, you know, is, is this the kind of new wave for tech m a in Canada? You know, whereas it used to be kind of very middle market focused, you'd hear about the $5 million raise and, the, you know, there'd be the outliers, of course, but, but now it seems as though the check sizes and the investment amounts and the M&A activity has just gotten larger and larger. You know, to your point, it could very well be because the money's there, but is that a sign of where our marketplace is going? Uh, just wanted to get your sense on what you're seeing on the size of activity, the type of deal flow uh, that, that you're seeing in the market from a tech m and perspective. Sure. So I'll, I'll separate my responses in two sort of sections. Um, I'll, I'll touch on growth equity and then I'll, I'll touch on M&A. So um, the amount of money that's been going to growth equity is, is really just a, a 2020 and 2021 thing. Um, and that was largely driven by non-traditional investors. Uh, so non-traditional VC type investors. And by non-traditional, I mean um, crossover funds. So those could be funds that uh, historically have been hedge funds or mutual funds uh, or pension funds who had not really participated in the private markets or mostly public markets focused. And um, they've decided that they, because of the returns in the IPO market, wanted to uh, get themselves better exposure before the IPO. Um, and so you're see, you were seeing, you know, 100 million plus deals from groups like you know, Tiger Global, you know, KOTU, Fidelity, T. Rowe, even SoftBank, I would call, you know, sort of a non-traditional player. And so they were really writing really, really big checks on really, really friendly terms on really big valuation. And that's that part of the market I, I don't see continuing uh, going into 2022 and beyond. In fact, we, we see a pretty significant correction uh, this year and next year. Uh, and that's largely because these non-traditional investors are exiting the market. There are uh, better bargains to be had with all the public market's volatility to just invest in a public company, more liquidity, lower valuation. Uh, and of course, you know, making these pre-IPO investments uh, just didn't work out for, for many of these players given the returns in the, in the IPO market in the last year or so. Um, on the M&A front, uh, deals are getting bigger and bigger from where they were a decade ago or so. And that's just largely a function of more and more cross-border investment coming into Canada um, and sort of pushing these companies to, to levels that uh, a decade ago uh, just weren't feasible given the amount of capital that was in the Canadian market. Then I have to ask, I know the tech M&A guys always have to opine on valuation, you know, because it's the space where the feeling from an outsider looking in or when it comes to, you know, valuations is, you know, things just getting frothier and more expensive. I mean, is that trend continuing? And obviously the fact that the money's there and the activity's strong indicates it, but as a market trend, are you seeing valuations continue to increase or is it more isolated? Is it 
you know, people, it, it appears from the outside that everything is becoming more expensive in tech, even with all the volatility going on, but wanted to get your sense of, from an insider's perspective on valuation, what you're seeing. Sure. Um, so from a valuation perspective, uh, and I'll, I'll talk about sort of public equities and you know, on the growth equity side of the market first, valuations there are definitely coming down massively, right? Um, with a rise in interest rates, you'd expect that companies with longer dated cash flows would take the biggest hits on the valuations, just kind of how the time value of money uh, equation works. Um, and so we're seeing very, very big corrections there. Uh, in the M&A market, not so much. Uh, but I think part of it is uh, that M&A multiples, even you know, last year and the year before, at least in the deals that um, we've been seeing, never really got to stratospheric levels. You know, you were seeing some public equities trade at 30, 40 times revenue and you know, some venture deals getting done at 100 times plus annual recurring revenue, which are very, very big valuations. We, we were not seeing those sorts of valuations in the M&A market. I would say um, the public markets and the private capital markets overshot the M&A markets in terms of valuations. Um, and so, uh, no, we're not seeing a decline in M&A valuations, but that's, again, largely because they didn't really go through those uh, significant increases either. I know the tech M&A space is dynamic. There's a lot going on in multiple different places in the space. When you kind of look at the trends of the tech M&A space in terms of where we're at and where they're going, is, are there any prevailing trends or new trends that you're seeing out there Dan, that you you were kind of keeping your eye open on? Yeah, there was um, there was, there was one trend that we're seeing uh, more frequently now, and that's uh, the non-tech buyer and in, in entering into uh, tech M and A. Uh, so these are uh, traditional industries type companies who uh, historically you would almost never see in an M and A process. Uh, now, very actively soliciting us for opportunities and. Uh, and, and getting in front of us and, and walking us through their roadmaps and where technology companies could fit there. Uh, and these companies, um, you know, they, they're, they're, they're getting better at the M&A game. They're, they're moving faster. Um, they understand how it's played and, and they're certainly paying up. You know, a couple of good examples, Canadian examples would be you know, Solium Capital being acquired by the NASDAQ or uh, Verifin being acquired by uh, sorry, Verifin was acquired by the NASDAQ and Solium Capital uh, was acquired by Morgan Stanley. And I should know that because we, we actually advised on that deal. Um, and then, you know, you see companies like Fix being acquired uh, by GE uh, and so on and so forth. In fact, I'd say the level of activity um, from non-tech buyers acquiring tech companies is more than doubled over the last uh, 24 months or so. And one of the things that I've been seeing as a as my practice, to your point, Dan, is just the nature of tech buyers. You know, you highlight the non-traditional tech buyer. I'm seeing the kind of breadth of the tech buyers across the marketplace. And I wonder if you're seeing that too. You know, large tech uh, is in our marketplace and they're willing to even do small bolt-ons, add-ons. You know, there's no deal that's too small. There's no deal that's too big it seems like in our marketplace are you are you seeing that broad swath of you know the, the, to your point the the character of the buyers continues to grow and what they're interested in continues to be 
grow. As opposed to in the old days where big would buy big and small would buy small. I don't know if you're noticing, but I'm noticing even in a middle market process that nature of the tech buyers is just continues to grow that who's interested in those assets. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I think there's a couple of things going on there. One is the war for talent, so to speak, um, that's driving uh, many of the larger technology companies to bolt on uh, aqua hires because it's really difficult to attract and retain these days. Um, and so the other approach that they take then is just to buy smaller companies with engineering teams. So that's uh, sort of one end of, of the market. And then the other sort of bigger driver there as well is uh, is private equity. Uh, most M&A activity, in fact, two-thirds of M&A activity within, uh, within the tech sector are driven by private equity. That could be either as um, a standalone asset, sort of a platform, uh, or add-ons. And quite frankly, they're mostly add-ons. Um, that's sort of the expertise that private equity has in general, which is to acquire. Um, and so there are strategies to acquire a platform and then use that platform to add on and acquire themselves into uh, market dominance within, uh, within the area that they're focused in. And I, I always ask our guests, uh, uh, call it the crystal ball question. And I want to really delve into this with you because given the dynamic nature of the tech space and just so much evolution and growth, wanting to get your sense about where, you know, world that we're living now with all that's going on globally and all of the macro issues, where do you think the tech space is going from where we see it now? I mean, can it get better than what it is? Or, I mean, I look at it and think it's kind of been on a heck of a ride for the last few years, tech and M&A across the board. Where do you think the tech space is going from an M&A perspective? From an M&A perspective, I think, I think private equity is just going to continue um, to acquire within B2B software. Just, again, you know, there's, there will continue to be a secular trend within IT spending as a category. And you know, private equity is just sitting on so much cash. You know, and then I think the question is going to be once or once they've blown through all that cash, what's next? And I think the answer is going to be the next platform. You know, we've been living in a world of Web 2.0, and Web 3 is just emerging. Web 3, you know, um, the metaverse, and that's just—I mean, they haven't had that hasn't had its sort of Netscape or iPhone moment, but it will. And I think that'll be the next big wave of. Um, VC and M&A activity. And I know, I mean, again, I could be ancient when I say this, but traditionally tech uh, uh, M&A activity, you know, software as a service, these kind of businesses have this opportunity to kind of ramp, you can ramp up the technology in them where they, they, do do you see, you know, we talk about, as you point out, the metaverse, AI, do you see these kind of specific cryptocurrency, do you see these specific sectors really, taking off are they going to you know really become the focus or are they kind of just subsectors that will you know will grow but at the end of the day the kind of classic tech is still where we're going the software as a service type businesses those subscription you know re- recurring revenue the themes that have gotten us here will be the themes that are continue to dominate I, I actually don't think so i think the beautiful thing about tech is it's all sorts of creative destruction and innovation and, 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 and tech moves in terms of platforms, right? So there was sort of the mainframe era way back when and then PCs 
um, and then you know the mobile web uh, and and so on and so forth. And you know, I, I genuinely think the next platform, the next era, is going to be somewhere. It's going to be Web three or or the metaverse or some combination of it. And I think pricing models uh, are going to start to change. I don't think uh, you know, and you're seeing it with SaaS companies now. It's it's not pure subscription models. They're moving into usage based pricing or transaction based pricing where. Uh, a customer can see, can align uh, what they're paying to the value that they're getting. Um, so, uh, you know, cryptocurrency is an application right now. You're not really seeing it in the business world, but the blockchain itself and, and what Web3 can do, uh, I think will have lots of applications down the road. It, it just hasn't been easy to use yet. You know, the internet needed Netscape uh, as, as, as a big o- opener to uh, democratize access to it. Mobile needed the iPhone. And I just don't think we're there yet with Web3 or the metaverse, but we will be at some point. Dad, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a super interesting conversation. Uh, and I hope we have you back because I feel like we're just getting started as opposed to having a lot of ground. So th- thank you uh, greatly for joining us and for, uh, for being uh, on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me, Mario.